All right. Well, we're back for another country drive. Lisa Brokop, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. So I guess we'll start by talking about your new album that everybody's excited about. Yes, I'm super excited. Oh, my gosh. Um, First of all, it's been a long time since I've had a new album out, so it's great to have something fresh. How long? um, Ten. I mean, I want to say ten years, but I bet you it's probably more like (laughs) fifteen. So, yes. So you have a lot of artistic uh, energy built up inside of you. Yeah. Well... Yeah, you know, just I feel like I've, I'm becoming an adult finally after, well, a lot of years of actually being an adult. I actually feel like maybe I'm starting to be one. I don't know. That could be pushing it. Well, I'm excited for the day where I get to report to people that I've become an adult. Yeah, I know. You're right. <laughs> it hasn't okay. Happened. It hasn't happened for me yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said so. I'm getting there. I said I'm getting there. Um, we're going to pull it up here on the screen. Um, do you have a co- – that's the copy of the album right there? Okay. Yeah, that's the cover. Where did you shoot the cover? That was in the alley between Tootsie's and the Ryman. Oh, what a perfect place. Yep. So some of the other photos inside the CD are sitting on those back steps where they where Patsy Cline and those great ladies used to come out the back door and go into Tootsie's, to Tootsie's and have a drink in between songs. They had the 100th anniversary the other night for For Tootsie's. Hank. Yeah. Oh, well, and it Wait. was Hank's birthday. And celebrating was it bo- Tootsie's. Oh, it was both. Okay. I think it was Tootsie's birthday. Maybe it wasn't 100th. I know Hank had his 100th the other yep. day also. Yeah. But that's a wonderful place to do the photo yeah, shoot. Yeah, it was great. Just, I mean, so much history to be like, they actually walked down these steps and I'm sitting here. And speaking of history, you're fresh off a performance from the Bluebird. Yes. How the was Bluebird that? Cafe. It was awesome. I've played the Bluebird many, many times. It's been a while, so it was great to be back there. I had friends with me. Um, my husband, Paul Jefferson, was supposed to sing as well, and he got sick, and we were so disappointed, so he couldn't make it. But um, we had a great time. Got to sing new songs. You know, I play, every time I play a round off, and it's like, well, what am I going to play? I guess I'll just play that other one I used to always do. This time, I did all new stuff, told new stories, um, and it was just really a lot of fun. The Bluebird is an amazing place. Yeah. I guess... For people that are just listening to this and have not traveled to Nashville and experienced the Bluebird, explain to people what that means when you're an artist or a songwriter or both, and you're sitting there and enjoying that moment. Okay, well, the Bluebird Cafe, the history, it's not so much the building. I mean, it's just a tiny little place. People don't realize. I actually had two friends come who'd never been um, to my daughter's, uh, my mom friends, I call them, the, um, their kids hang out with my kid, and uh, they had never been. And everyone's always shocked when they get there because it's this tiny little place. Oh, yeah. It's not very fancy. It's little tables, chairs. But the history of, I mean, everybody's played there. Every hit song has been performed there. Even, you know, not just country artists. You know, Bonnie Raitt has come. Carol King has come. And people just tend to show up sometimes. Uh, a friend of mine went one night and went to watch some friends in a round. And Carol King showed up. And he was just like you know, of course, paralyzed in a seat that she was there. And they get nervous, too. Like, we all get nervous to play the Bluebird, even though it's this tiny 100-seat venue. It's the most nerve-wracking thing because I'm sitting here, and the audience is literally right there. Like, they can see oh, what yeah. color nail polish. They can see if I haven't tucked in my shirt. But, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's it's nerve-wracking. Everything is exposed. Everything's exposed. So you got to know your stuff. And you get to have true artistry come out, though. Yes, that is the beauty of it. It just elevates that. 
it it forces you to rise to that level to be like, okay, I got to know my stuff. I got to know my, you know, what I'm doing. And I'm going to be here doing the same thing that so many other famous, amazing songwriters and singers have done. When was the first time you played the Bluebird? Oh, gosh. Probably in the 90s when I first came to Nashville. I'm trying to think what that first one would have been. Um, I was probably invited by another songwriter that I'd been writing with because I was new. I didn't have a lot of music to share. Yeah. So I was probably invited because of the record deal that I had, and I got I got to go and sit there and sing. But I think it means more now. I think when I first came, I probably took a lot of that for granted. Really? I was young. I was like, I'm in Nashville. I got a record deal. I'm 19. Woo, whatever. You know, and... When you're young, you just, you don't always, or at least I didn't always soak everything in the way that I should have. So now, after all these years of being here, and I still get to do that, and I, I still get a place in that circle, it's pretty cool. Well, that's great that you say that, because I hear a lot of people say, I wish when I was younger and mm-hmm. rising up, mm-hmm. I would have, you know, taken more pauses to enjoy the moment. Yes. I wish I said this the other day in an interview. I wish I had taken more snapshots in my mind. I just, you know, I was young. I, things happened really quickly at the beginning. I got a record deal pretty quickly. Um, I was traveling all over North America and I just thought, well, that's the way it is. That's what you do. You come to Nashville, you get a record deal, you go off and you do your thing. And, you know, of course, as time went on and lessons were learned and, and the, the trials and tribulations of the music business and all the stuff. Um, but, yeah, now it's like to be present in those moments and really soak it in. Um, I wish I could. I wish I could go back. Well, and that's the beauty of this. I'm getting to do some of this again. Amen. I'm getting to do it again. Yeah, I love Still it. Still doing it. Yay. It's awesome to be in here, be in the game for this long for Absolutely. you, I'm sure. Uh, regarding the album, let's start by talking about uh, Comeback Bobby Gentry. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, let's do it. Um, I love Bobby Gentry, as mm-hmm. many do. Um, my husband and I wrote it. Paul Jefferson wrote the song with me, and we were... Well, I had already had my show together called Legendary Ladies of Country. So I'd already been doing that show in Canada a fair bit, um, which honors all the legendary ladies, um, Patsy Cline, Tammy Wynette, Dottie West, Loretta Lynn, all that. Um, And so we were just talking about the ladies of country, and the topic of Bobby Gentry came up, and how her song, Ode to Billy Joel, was such a huge, huge hit across all the genres, not just country. And then all of a sudden, she was just like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't imagine. Like, and so we were just talking about what might have been going through her head. Why did she do that? Did she just, was she ill? Was she, uh, did she have a breakdown? Did she just be like, you know what? I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I don't want to be in the spotlight anymore. I'm going over here. I don't know. I've watched interviews of her. She's very intelligent, very yeah. smart. Maybe she was just too smart for this business. I don't know. Like maybe she's like, this is bull, beep, you know, and I'm out of here. I don't know. Well, I, but, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So we were just talking about that and like, you know, we all have this, there's a lot of speculation. There's been tons of interviews about it. Oh yeah. She's, she's around somewhere. She's just not in the spotlight. So Close to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting. It's like, well, what if she came back? Like, what if she, so we wrote this song called Come Back, Bobby Gentry. Give us another chance. Give us another chance to see who you really are, what's in your heart. I would love to sit down and ask her that. She was in a unique position because she, um, let's see, she married a couple of times, but she married the guy that owns Harris. 
His last name was Hera. Because oh, she was living out in Vegas. I th- yes, I read that. I think she has a son that performs in Reno, Nevada. Wow. But I don't think that was the Hera. I don't think she had a son with the Hera's guy. But also, she was one of the original investors in the Phoenix Suns in, in, at the NBA. And she sold her wow. $50,000 stake for like millions. Wow. So she didn't need to be a li- around a lot of the... Smart lady. Creeps in Nashville. Very business savvy. That's what I kind of... That's what my heart feels. I don't know. I would love to ask her one day. But I kind of feel like this woman was like, you people are creepy. Yeah. And I'm not going to stand here in my short skirt while you gawk at me and demand me to do things that I don't want to do. That's just my guess. Well, Bobby, come on the show. We'd like to talk to you. Yeah, come on, Bobby. Let's have a conversation. Would that not be amazing? You know that question when people ask of of anyone in the world, who would you like to sit down and have dinner with? I want to sit down and have a drink with Bobby Jedry. That'd be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) What about an important song with Who's Gonna Fill Their Hills? Mm -hmm. Which, just in case anyone doesn't know, George Jones wrote a huge song that was very um, predicting of the future of, are we going to have anybody they are going to continue on the classics so you've remade it into the female version correct <laughs> yes i was i was about to get on a plane to go to calgary alberta it's canada i'm from canada and uh i was actually listening to the mo pitney version of the george jones song he's saying who's going to fill their shoes mm-hmm. and i was kind of in show mode i was getting ready to go do legendary ladies of country and so my wheels were turning and and i'm listening and i go wait a second they didn't mention a single woman in this song it's all the guys which i love all of them the red-headed stranger willie nelson uh johnny cash merle haggard they're awesome they are certainly a huge part of the foundation of country music but i thought no ladies huh and so my wheels just got turning i thought i'm gonna rewrite it i actually kind of was just joking around and i started making up rhymes my husband was there and and then i'm like wait a second maybe there's something to this so i got on the plane i wrote it on the plane and I rewrote all the lines. I kind of looked at George's for reference, and and I rewrote it, and I sang it the next night for my show, and that the rest is history. <laughs> Off to the races. Yeah. We have, I guess, one woman who has announced that she won't be filling their hills with Maren Morris. <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Uh, That's what you say. You know, she said she's leaving, but she didn't tell where she's going. Well, you know— it's an interesting thing to say that you're leaving country music. Um, I mean, we all do the music that we love. We just do it, whether it's country, whether it's rock. You know, Dolly Dolly said, I'm taking country music with me right. and I'm going on to this. That's the perfect way to say it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to diss Maren Morris. She's a woman. She's a talented woman. Um, I'm sure that things have been difficult for her lately with all of this going on. It's a lot to deal with for someone when the media is coming at you. And, of course, we're only seeing snippets of things. You don't get the whole truth with the media. Um, so I wish her the best. Yeah. But um, I would never say that. <laughs> yeah. You are right. I mean, I, I mean if, I was a, if I was a country music fan that loved Marin Morris, I would feel very hurt by that. Right. So I'm sorry for them. I think she's taken a playbook, you know, a play out of the playbook for people like Taylor. But Taylor left for artistic reasons. Right. She's kind of leaving for ideology. So we'll see how it works out. And Taylor also took them with her. Yeah. She took her fan base. I I just don't think that you need to disparage the country music community 
because you know you have yeah. one a couple of differences ideologically. Yeah. I think Absolutely. we're all just trying our best to get along in life. Exactly, we're all doing our best. Everybody's got different opinions. We know that these days, and so you know, I wish her the best. I hope she's happy. All you can happy. do is with people is when people are off base with some of their feelings or thoughts or prejudices. You pray for them and you hope that they see the light. Absolutely. But I do think about the scripture, for God so loved the world. It doesn't end with, he sent Marin Morris to save country music. No, so. you're right. You're right. It's not about any one of us individually. Yeah. It's like, go do your best. What Amen. would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry I had to pull you into that drama for That's a moment. Okay. We're all in it. You know, I really am interested to learn from you about Canadian country music. I don't know if you like to be pushed into that bracket as you're just an artist, but what what is it about I think it goes back to the 20s with Canada when it started to kind of catch, I guess they had something where there was a kinship with the Appalachia sound. Mm. But I wonder if you'll educate people on Canadian country music and how it came into your life and what your early influences were. Well, my early influences, many of them were American. So I was listening to the radio, probably hearing a lot of the same thing that people were hearing across the border. Uh, I loved... um, I loved Patsy Cline then. Uh, I loved Dottie West, Barbara Mandrell. I loved Barbara Mandrell because I would watch her show on Friday nights. That and the Dukes of Hazard. It was a big night for me. Uh, Can I Bar- interrupt you real quick to tell you that my first ever concert was Barbara Mandrell Ooh. and I have a picture with her? Oh, wow. I'm See about, that? I'm about that tall. That is cool. I mean, and her voice, she had that rich thick voice that I just loved and she played all the instruments and she was, she was just in charge, oh, yeah. you know, she was awesome. So I loved that. I loved Dottie West. Same thing. I loved that rich sound because I had a, I have a deep voice too. And I think I kind of related to their sound. Um, but I loved the traditional stuff way back then. I would, I would follow the local bands around town where I grew up in Surrey, British Columbia in Canada. And I got to know some of them and they would let me sit in. So I would do a Patsy Cline song because that's what they knew. And we didn't, you know, we hadn't rehearsed anything and we'd, off we'd go. And I, I, I got a lot of practice doing that. Were you, was Anne Murray an artist when you were still a kid? Yes, that was, I was going to say Anne Murray was definitely an influence for me. She was on the radio. My mom had her records, so I would absolutely listen to her. I grew up in a house where if you didn't like Anne, it was probably okay, but adoption might have been considered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. she. I mean, yes, she is the queen. I always say, I've said in my show that, you know, on the quarter, it should be Anne Murray and not the queen. Like, just put Anne Murray on the right. quarter in Canada, and that, that should be that. So, by the time you're, you, what what age were you when you came to Nashville? I was 19. You were 19. Yeah. And so, your early influences are Dottie West, but you did have some Canadian influences. Yeah. Were you just country, were you just a country fan, or... I was. I was a country girl at heart. I would go to school where my, well, let's see, my first concert was Ricky Skaggs. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. And I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13. I don't know. I was, I was really young. And uh, that was amazing. It was at the Orpheum Theater in Vancouver. Uh, first concert, I, I opened for Willie Nelson when I was 15 in another band. And that was my first opening slot locally. We got paid 50 bucks, which... I would have paid 50 bucks to do it, of course, you know, or more. Yeah. And uh, it was a big, you know, big Coliseum event. I got to meet Willie. He was awesome. Super nice. So what was, well, I've got to, we got to, yeah. we got to dig into that okay. a little bit. What was that like? 
it was awesome. I was so nervous. It wasn't my band, but I, I got to sing a song because I was already starting to record music. Mm-hmm. And so I got to sing one of my songs. And I remember I was playing this electric guitar and was so nervous, like scared to death nervous, like ready to upchuck at any time. <laughs> and I, and we're out there and doing the show. And I'm starting like, okay, it's going well. I'm starting to relax. And I take a step forward and I trip on my guitar cable. I didn't fall. But I tripped and it scared me half to death. And so for the rest of the time, I just, I just stood still all the time because I was scared to death. But it was amazing. And we were backstage and I'll never forget. We're all standing there hoping we get to meet Willie. And he just walks casually, walks right up to us, shakes our hands, just very calm, cool. Just as you would expect with Willie Nelson. He was he was awesome. Yeah, you talk about a guy who's never had to live within the bounds of a certain genre. He's just, he's an icon. Yeah, icon. That's how you do it. Yeah. Like, that's how you do it. Just yeah. do what you do. And if people don't like it, that's okay. But there'll be plenty who do like it. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you know what, Joey? Pull up a picture of Willie Nelson. See if you can find it when he first came to Nashville. It's fascinating to see Willie when he was here and he was playing the game of the industry. Did he have he had, short hair? He had a nice yeah. haircut. Yeah. He was wearing, I think, a turtleneck and yeah. a suit. And... um there you go, top left. Oh, uh, yeah. All clean cut. Now, that oh, is not the Willie that we know. Woo. No trigger yeah. in the picture. I'll bet you he hates that picture. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> but it's also a good it's also a good reminder to people that if you come to Nashville and the city is not always nice to you mm-hmm. or doesn't, you know, you have to conform to something that yeah. now go down a little bit to uh, one of the more modern ones that you can follow there your... He is. Just because it doesn't work out here doesn't mean that you can't go follow your own path somewhere else. That's right. Of course, he did have a lot of great songwriting going on before he was... Yeah, he had that going for him, right? Yeah. But anyway, we just had to put that visual up there because I love seeing Willie. So which Willie did you get to see, though? I guess I should Oh, I saw that Willie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the real Willie. (laughs) Um, Now, another thing is you've done a lot of tribute... You did an entire tribute album to Patsy Cline? Yes. So... In the spirit of who's going to fill their hills and the Bobby Gentry song, why is it so important to you to just consistently make sure that you're paying your respects to the legacy that was left for you to carry on? Well, there's a couple reasons why I did it. Um, I've been in the business a long time, several decades now, and um, it's important to try to keep things fresh. Let's be honest. Radio stations are not playing people like me as mm-hmm. much as they used to, mm-hmm. if ever. You know, so either I could just retire and go on my merry way, or I could figure something out that would still be enjoyable to me, um, and that could I could be true to myself with. And so I've always done a song or two of Patsy's or a Tammy Wynette or something traditional, and I realized that when I would get to that part in the show, it was the part I enjoyed the most. Yeah, You know, I have had success with other songs, and oftentimes they were songs that I was asked, told to do, and I would just do it because I was playing the game and I was trying to, you know, do what was right. And those were not always the real thing, you know? It's like the heart was not in some of those, as I'm a little older now and I look back. But the Patsy stuff, the Tammy Wynette, always had the heart. And so I'm like, you know, what about doing... A whole project of this music and just really get into the songs and who Patsy was. And I love it. I love going on the road and doing this show. And now I go up to Canada and I do these shows. And at times I will attract more people to those 
because I'll attract some of the Lisa Brokop fans. But there are some that'll be like, well, I don't know who Lisa Brokop is, but I really love Patsy Klein, so I'm going to come see this. Yeah. And then I've got another person to come in and maybe become a fan of mine as well. Well, I like that. I like that you do it because it's, again, not to criticize any of the more modern artists. There's a lot of great ones. Mm -hmm. But there does seem like, um, maybe like in the 90s and 80s, that while people were enjoying their own rise, Mm -hmm. they were still making sure they were making... Putting a, putting aside some time in a show, some some mm-hmm. spot slots in an album, yeah. to make sure that they were really paying their respects to the people that had created their own success and yeah. their as inspiration. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like anything. If you don't have a foundation, it's not going to be very sturdy. On top of that, so if you're not remembering where you came from or who you are, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is knowing you got to know who you are, or somebody else will tell you who you are, and that's not going to work. Yeah, and there's a lot I've, of people I've, around here that want to yeah. tell you how you are. Absolutely. They've got agendas. People, this music business is can be vicious. It's a business, and people come in, they have their own agendas. They're like, well, this is going to make us a lot of money. We'll do this. And then you're out there going, ugh. And, and then all of a sudden, hating what you do, even though you know you love it, somewhere down in there, but in that particular moment, I don't like this. How come? Oh, because I wasn't true to myself. I didn't stand up and say... No, I, I can't do that because I feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't know how you feel about Jelly Roll, but he's a new artist who I think has written some or put out some really good songs. And I like that the story that he tells. I imagine people have told I mean, you can tell he's a guy that's like owning his truth. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. telling parts of his life that he's probably had someone say, maybe you should just leave that out. Yeah. So I like it when people are true yeah. to themselves. Absolutely. And and everybody's been through stuff like I, I mean, I feel like as I get older, it's like no more of this like cookie cutter. Everything's great and yeah. there's sunshine all the time. It's not real life. And people, the, the the songs that I've sung lately, I have a couple of new songs that I've just written. They're not on the album, but just trying them out. And when you see a mom in the audience with tears in her eyes because she relates, that is the biggest fill, fill up. I mean, I just got a shiver saying it. That's yeah. the biggest fill up. That's, I think, what I probably lacked a little bit in the early days. You know, there, there were great things. I don't want to put that down there were great things great songs and a lot of fun times but now that to me is more what it's about i just i just reached that person because of my own story that right. was real and right. it's, it's very rewarding i love it when artists are true to themselves mm-hmm. and it's fun there's another aspect of music where if you ever go back and look at some of the huge classic rock bands yeah. they didn't have a lot of successful albums like the first two or three but labels stayed with them to let them develop in their artistry. And when right. they started to kind of find their actual voice. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to stay with artists for years yeah. and grow with them. And we don't do that now. Let no. Record labels. When I got my first deal with Capitol Records, I had a development deal where they're developing you as an artist, which you don't get that now. You, When you get your record deal, if you get one, you better you better have it all laid out and ready to go. You better have your social media numbers up high, all that stuff. And then they just slap it out there. And if it doesn't fly, you're out. Well, since, you're, since you can give me some inside baseball, tell me, when people say I had a development deal, is that really they're working with you to grow you as an artist or they're telling you what your sound's going to be? Just a little inside baseball, please. Probably a little of both. Okay. Probably a little bit of both. Um, yeah, they're going to send you to media training. They're going to um, do photo shoots. They're going to say, perhaps you should cut your hair like this. Uh, I'm just, just from experience, things like that happened. But at the same time, I learned a lot. I was 19, barely 19. I didn't know anything. I just, I knew that I wanted to sing. Yeah. So 
y- yes, people can't. And I think for someone that young, it's really important to have the people around you to protect that person as a minor, basically. Yeah. You know, maybe not in Canada, drinking age is 19, but still a minor for, for, the, for the most part. And uh, you need people around. I didn't always have that back they then. They let y'all drink at 19 in Canada? 18 in Alberta. Wow. <laughs> well, Canadians are nicer. Maybe they don't. That's right, because they drink her. No, I'm kidding. Maybe that's why they're nicer. <laughs> Maybe that's why I they're guess, nicer. I guess that is the joke. Um, what about, so there's another thing I want to ask you about Canadian country music. You had a song, and forgive me, I have to give me a ring sometimes. Mm-hmm. What does it mean when a song doesn't have enough Canadian content? Well, that's another story. Um, One you're willing to tell? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's um. so in Canada, it's actually kind of a cool thing, um, I guess it's called the C- the the Canadian government has a rule that each song, uh, in order to be considered to have Canadian content, is divided into four parts: music, lyrics, artist, production, and you need at least two of those to be considered Canadian content. And what the reason for that is to protect Canadian artists from the big bad American artists that come in and take all the airplay. Ah, protectionism. So it actually has been good in a lot of ways. There was one time where it didn't work for me because I had the song Give Me a Ring sometime. I didn't write it. Um, But there were, let's see, there was two writers on it and only one was Canadian. And then I was the artist Canadian. So it appeared I had the two parts, but somebody, somebody, I don't know who, discovered that I really didn't. So it was on the chart, I think at like number four, probably would have been number one. And all of a sudden, it was gone, off the chart. Wow. So, I mean, technically, they were right. It did not have the content. But then it's like, well, are you playing the music because you like it or because it's Canadian content? You know, it's that whole That's thing. That's fascinating. I didn't know protectionism is applied to the arts in Canada. It is. Wow. And my very first single when I was 16, it was called Daddy Sing to Me, I got a lot of airplay Probably because of that rule, because there wasn't a lot of back then wasn't a lot of good quality recordings of Canadian content back then. Wow. My mom tracked the record. She'd call up the radio stations. And <laughs> Is there any difference between a Canadian fa- the Canadian fan base in America for country music? Um, or, do, or do tastes generally run one and the same? I think they're similar. Depends what part of the country you're in. Um I find that Canadian audiences, and I don't know, I could get in trouble for this, are a little bit more polite. Would that be the, and maybe not polite, polite is not the word, just quieter. So it's like, you know, they, they'll applaud and you think maybe they're not enjoying it, but then you're done and they all stand up and you're standing ovation. You're like, oh, you did like it. They're just quiet. They're just listening where, but then again, that depends what city you're in or what part of the, part of the country of Canada or which part of the U.S. you're in. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the Canadians are a little bit nicer as a crowd, but I didn't know if it was a, just a little lower key, maybe. Yeah, is the, is a little the tame. Word. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does that create challenges for you as a Canadian artist? Um, I mean, how much do you feed off the energy when you're on stage? I do love to feed off the energy, and there are some nights where it is, you know, you finish the song, and there's a couple seconds of complete dead air, like. And I'll usually just make a joke about it and people will laugh and then they start to, you know, kind of loosen up a little bit. Because it is funny when there's like dead, like silence, you could hear pin drop in a 500 seat venue and nobody's, they're just all like staring at you. (laughs) 
it's a little bit unnerving. <laughs> but, you know, I've done it so many times. I, I You just do what you got to do. When you moved to Nashville, so you were from Surrey, B.C.? Mm-hmm. So you moved to Nashville. When was your first show when you went back home to play after moving to Nashville? Oh, boy. That's a good question. Because I was already touring quite a bit in Canada right. before I came right. here. Right, like up so in then... Willie. But I wondered yeah. if you, when you had your first headlining show there. It was a while before I had an actual headlining show. I was still doing a lot of opening act slots with some of the bigger artists. That was the best way to get in front of a large audience. Um, and then a lot of touring in the U.S. at that time. Doing open, We opened for Alan Jackson on a few shows for George Strait, um, John Michael Montgomery. All, you know, And that was the years when it was not just one tour that went for three months. It was like, well, we'll be in New York state here. And then we're going to be in Oregon over here on the next day and just, you know, back and forth. And we had Jim McBride here for the first episode and he wrote Chattahoochee and chasing that neon rainbow. So he's deep in the, uh, Alan Jackson catalog. Um, how are we doing on time? I apologize. Okay. We've got plenty. Um, so you you took up, or you I guess you made it a point. I guess I should just ask you, what was your involvement with the Freedom Convoy and speaking up for those guys? Because I, I guess I should elaborate. You know, truckers are the backbone of every economy. Yeah. America and Canada. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I didn't like, I think there was only 85% of them were vaccinated. So I don't think it was a huge issue. Mm-hmm. But they had to speak up for themselves and you were known to have spoken out on their behalf. And so I want to let you speak about that. Just bring into all the drama we can today. Dangle Wikipedia. I mean, sheesh. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I supported that cause. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people didn't, it was a, it was a strange time. Um, I made a post on Facebook or something about it. And, um, because it was the first time for me during the whole pandemic and everything, I felt like, there was some unity amongst a group of people in the country. And I think many of us were very confused at the time. What's going on? You know, we hear things on the news, but is that what's happening and all these different things? And like you said, these were like, they, these are the backbone of our country. These yeah. people are working, you know, I have family members who are truck drivers and, um, uh, I, I, what a job. What a hard job. And then to be told, well, you can't do this. And right or wrong, we're allowed to speak up for what we believe in. That's part of why we live in Canada and the United States, because we have freedom of speech. So whatever you think, I mean, maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right. I don't know. Um, but they certainly have the right to speak about it. And it seemed to me that they were doing it um, safely. I saw people lined up in the prairies on the streets with Canadian flags and just feeling like feeling like they belong somewhere for a yeah. minute amidst a time that was so confusing and so crazy. Nobody, you know, locked away. Kids can't go to school. It was traumatic for a lot of people, for most people in different ways. So, so people were like, okay, I can, you know. Yeah, whether they're right or wrong, they they need they're speaking up for something, um, and and there's some people that took a lot of flack. They're still taking a lot of flack for it, and I pray for those people um, that they you know that the right things happen. I I don't say it to bring up you know try to pull you into drama. 
Yes, I'm you sure. do. No, no, I really don't. The reason I do it is I, I like to compliment people when they stand up. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, you have a voice. Yeah. It's part of your yeah. platform is to have yeah. a voice. And there's a lot of people that like to go out and promote their own ideologies, mm-hmm. their own opinions. And everyone has that right to do it. But yeah. when someone with your platform speaks up for other people right. who, you know, don't have the luxury of getting to go on tour. Yeah spend their life creating their art and having an artistic expression, they're very much in a difficult situation where people are lining their pockets off their hard work. Mm -hmm. And so I like to see someone like you speak up for them. So that's, that's truly why I say it and why it's really more of a compliment. Yeah. Thank you. And it's hard. It's a hard place because I, I I go with that thought of, well, do I speak up my thoughts? I know I'm going to take some people off or do I just Keep it all nice. And I mean, there's something to be said about when you go to a concert or go to listen to the radio, you just want to have some enjoyment and escape from everything else. So there's something to be said for that. But yet at the same time, you got to be honest, you got to be real, um, which I've not always done because I, I don't think I, I knew what I didn't know who I was as a youngster. It's, you know, you just don't always know when you're 19. Um, so but I think you can also do it in a kind way. That's not I don't want to sling mud at anybody. Yeah. I don't think that's right. I don't want it slung back at me. Um, I just want the chance to say what I believe in a respectful way that's with integrity and not, well, you're a booger snot. No, you're a booger snot. You know, like that's that's just silly. It's childish. And we're all guilty of getting caught in that. But, you can know. We get a, can we get a definition for booger snot? Booger snot. Uh, <laughs> that would be, um, well, you can figure that out. <laughs> I had to put you on the spot there. <laughs> My husband uses that term when he's, you should call me a booger snot. <laughs> um, well, we'll get back to today. I've taken you down some of the old historical <laughs> paths here. My bad. But um, so back to the new music. What are you doing to promote the album? Are you touring? Yes. Actually, I'm getting on the road in just a few days, going up to Canada. Jo- Excuse me, pull up her tour schedule so we can put it on the film. So sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yes, going on the road starting next Thursday is the first show in Regina, Saskatchewan. And this will be the Patsy Klein Project show with Hank Lives, the Hank Williams Sr. show, which is my husband's show. Oh, so, so he does the tribute to yeah. Hank and you do the tribute to Pat's? Yeah, and this wow. is our first time doing it. So it's very exciting. It just kind of goes along with the whole who's going to fill their sh- heels. I keep getting that wrong. Who's going to fill their heels and the album. I'll have copies of the new album for the first time. And we have not performed both of our shows together. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're excited. We've got a few things we're going to do together. So, yeah, I'll be talking about the album, singing a couple of songs from it, along with the Patsy classics, which there's a, uh, one of those on the album as well. That must be a lot of fun to tour with a husband. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> if, if you knew Paul, you, you might. <laughs> I don't. Paul is great. I hope you didn't see this. But, um, <laughs> yes, it will be fun. Um, you know, those hotel rooms are small for two people. So hopefully, hopefully we get along and still like each other by the end of the tour. What are the... Uh, there it is. Did you find the... T- look at that. He's really good. Oh, that's you dressed as Patsy. Kind of. Actually, you know what? That's my wedding dress. Is it really? Yeah. Since we're telling secrets today. I thought <laughs> I thought that was like AI generated. No, that's that's for real. That's my wedding dress. Probably still has the dirt on the hem that... I had on it the day we got Hank married. Hank lives and Paul Jeff. That's a pretty neat handbill. Uh, so, yeah, Joey and I are one of our major topics of conversation is AI and chat GPT. Mm. Have you used chat GPT to help you write a song yet? No. Uh, I wouldn't even know how. 
which is probably a good thing. I'd have to ask my daughter, who's 14. Um, I That scares me, that whole AI thing. Yeah. I think, ooh, I don't know. So Joey comes down on it with the whole creating of melodies, which I can get. But as long as ChatGPT is not uh, writing lyrics, I want I want to <laughs> know what Lisa Brokop has to say. Right. I don't want right. to know what Lisa Brokop prompted in ChatGPT. Yes, and, it, and it's scary because I, I was doing an event where we had to write a song with a group of people, and we were writing it with them. It was a team building. And so we're asking them questions, and all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, I got this. And and it was it was awesome, and he had gotten it on AI or one of those. And I'm like, hey, put that away. You're going to put us out of a job. Was it awesome? <laughs> you know, I, at first I thought it was, but probably if I had gone further, I didn't have time to look at it further, but probably not. It's not going to have the the soul, the heart and soul. I won't. You know, won't. it can find a lot of information, of course, through the internet, but... I hope that people realize that's not going to be a good thing. Joey, you, you got to see. <laughs> I have to let him talk now. <laughs> I personally believe that the people who don't integrate AI with their workflow, maybe not completely take it and just use all of it, but I think if you can integrate it with your workflow, that it's you're going to be beyond other people. I think there's a way that there's a good balance between being creative and also letting it help you as a tool to push you to a different degree. Well, see, that's a very intelligent comment about it, but is everyone going to look at it that way? No, right. definitely I mean, not. there's a lot of cheaters in this world. Yeah. Definitely. So I I personally use it just as a like a stepping stone if I'm uninspired and okay. I, you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. how cuz I mm -hmm. I produce um like hip hop and rap and I engineer, but I don't use it to engineer. Some people use it to fully mix their um, their work, and I don't do that. But if I'm very uninspired, I'll use it to make a melody or a chord progression, mm -hmm. and then I'll integrate that into something different and like sample what it makes and just completely change it in a way. You know? Which I guess is probably not much different than going, gee, I think I want to write a rock song today. Maybe I'll listen to some of the Rolling Stones and I'll get inspired. You know, yeah. kind of, which I think is, that could be great. Use it as a tool but I just fear that it will become more. When my 14-year-old daughter can't write her essay, she's going to go on there or doesn't want to write her essay. She's going to go on there and right. do that. That's exactly what I would have yeah, done in high school. So exactly. I know it would. I'm glad yes. it wasn't around for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing with, but the AI part about, you know, putting artists in videos and whatnot. I was laughing with, with your friend Pam Lewis about uh, how easy her job might be eventually when she can just go, that's AI created. Yeah, he wasn't really in that hotel room with that woman. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. Prove it. That's, yeah. what, that's where we're going to go. Where you're not going to be able to believe any videos, so everyone's well, going to have deniability. We're kind of, I mean, we're, we're, there. we're there now. Yeah. You can't believe anything you see. Everything's been photo this and that, generate, you know, all the filters and things. Uh, Joey, we were working on a logo. You can see how cheap our logo is right there. Created an iMovie. I love it. We were working on it, and he created like five new logos with AI in about two minutes, and they look pretty good. They'll probably be our wow. logo soon. I, I like iMovie. I actually know how to do iMovie, do so that's why I like it. It's fun. I've been learning it all week editing the last episode. Cool. It's, pre it's pretty good. That and GarageBand's not the very... Do you GarageBand? use GarageBand? I use GarageBand for work tapes and... Do you really? I'm, I'm not... My husband's better at the recording end of things, but when I have to do a little something, yeah. I have Logic Pro, but there's been a couple of times where I had to edit some dance clips for my sister and I just throw it in um, <laughs> her GarageBand on her computer. Works fine. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, before we get out of here, remind people one more time. Uh, let's pull up her new album. And everywhere people can find the new music. Okay. The album is out, correct? October 6th. October 6th. Is coming out. But, but Bobby a, Gentry's already out. The single, the, Bobby Gentry was the first single, and then Who's Gonna Fill Their Heels, second single. So okay. those two songs are out, and you can get them on any streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you like to get your music from. And then the actual album is out October 6th. And that's going to be, you got a vinyl coming out? Not yet, Okay, but I would so, love to have that. So just digital? Just digital. Just I just want to make sure if they could find it down at the Ernest, Ernest Tubb record shop, <laughs> if it's still well, open. maybe. Maybe. That could that could be coming. Joey, let's pull it up before we get out of here. So you can say Audium Records. Oh, okay. Audium oh, Records. yes, right. with uh, Rhodes. Chuck Rhodes, yes. With Chuck I hear Rhodes. Chuck He's Rhodes. He's awesome. I hear Chuck Rhodes and I think about the show Billions. Do you watch Billions? No. Yeah, it's a character from that show. But oh. <laughs> um, he has a good name for his company. It's called On the Roads Again? or um, I don't know. I just know Audium. He, he looks like the Hawaiian punch guy, though. Yes. It, he and always wears a Hawaiian shirt. He's always got the, yeah, at the Bluebird the other night, he had this bright red with, like, pineapples on it or something. <laughs> it's okay. She said that it's available on Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm. and. And if there is a vinyl record coming out soon, she'll let you know. Let's just put that into the universe and maybe it'll right? happen, right? right. <laughs> I think it's just, I love that vinyls come back. Yes, I do too. That They're selling more than anything else, apparently. Are like, they really? Yeah, yes. Well, we were talking about Jack White. I think he saved, last episode, I think he saved the vinyl industry with Third Man Records. Wow. Is that what it's called? Third man, yeah. Well, my daughter, who's 14, that's like she wants the Taylor Swift vinyl album. She wants, uh, she just went to see Arctic Monkeys. I don't, Arctic Monkeys? Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, see, the young people in the room know who that is. Um, uh, or uh, all these different artists. She wants the vinyl record. So that's popular now. Huge. It's, my yeah. buddy back home in Pittsburgh, he has a whole record store in his apartment. He has it all wow. alphabetized. He He has like hundreds of vinyls. He spent hundreds of dollars on just a single vinyl just one he spent that's like great. i think the most expensive one was 350 dollars that he wow. bought that's well, cool yeah that is pretty neat well so you have that up there everyone please check out lisa brokop's new album i just have a question for you as well yeah actually. please okay. go ahead so what piece of advice would you give to a younger artist that's pursuing country music today that's a great question. That is a good question. Coming from you. I would say, and we talked about this earlier, it's so important to know yourself. Know who you are before somebody else tells you who you are. Uh, and if you don't, that's okay. When you're really young, maybe you don't know. But take the time to find out. Uh, uh, take advice from other people. Hear what they have to say. Then make your own decisions. Um, know what you want to stand for. Um uh, if it if it doesn't feel right in your gut, it's probably not right. So I would say that. Thank you. Good answer. We're trying to get Joey. Joey produces rap, but I want him to get into country music. <laughs> I like old country music, like older. Not very much new country music. Almost none, actually. Well, I, I mean, if I'm... Well, well yeah. I like the old country, too. <laughs> Wait a second. I know we've already basically signed off, but we got to stay on and ask you, how do you feel about Culture Wall? About which? Culture Wall. Culture Wall. I don't I don't know that name. Okay. Well, 
Um, I'm fairly a, behind on a lot of yeah, the new things. He's a, Cana- he's a Canadian artist oh. and has the most haunting, beautiful voice I've really? ever heard. Okay, yeah. I will check that out. Okay. Cultural well, good. Now I got to give you a little uh, something yeah. to check out. Yeah, I'm going up there. You know, I should know. Um, what about Shania? We didn't ask about Shania. Shania is awesome. You know, we were we were nominated for the same award back in 1990-whatever. Um, ACM? Yes, ACM Award. It was just before she hit really big. So she actually didn't win. I didn't either. It was Shelley Wright, I believe, won the award that year. So it was me and Shelley Wright and Shania Twain, I think, was the three. Or maybe maybe it was Victoria. I, I can't remember. But anyways, um, you got to admire Shania. You know, I mean, look at what she's accomplished. Um, I think it's interesting now to see young people or, or even like, you know, younger than me, which... Uh, they idolize her and they look up to her like I grew up listening to her and you know and I think that's really cool because when I was just getting started out she was just getting started out we were just you know kind of on the same and then she just went woo (laughs) well I just had to mention her because I want people to remember all the different Canadian artists that have contributed to the genre Mm -hmm. we appreciate your contributions to it thank you and I'll be looking forward to listening to the new album and I hope you've had a good time. We really, I have. we really appreciate you. It means the world to us. I appreciate. I'm you. I'm so grateful for you and wishing you the best of luck. All right, bye, y'all. <laughs>